0: Welcome to Word Processing, a resource of Oak Ridge Bible Chapel. Listen in
1: as we discuss issues of God, His Word, and His people. Hello everyone and welcome to Word Processing. My name is Josiah and I'm one of the pastors at Oak Ridge Bible Chapel in Oakville, Ontario, Canada. You know, the New Testament is clear that one of the tasks of each and every member of each and every local church is to encourage other believers in their Christian lives. 1 Thessalonians 5 says, Encourage one another and build one another up. Hebrews 10 commands us to consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. Colossians 3 tells believers to teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. God has given you and I the gift of the body of Christ that we can be taught by lifted up by, helped by, and shaped by one another for his glory. As a church grows in size, however, it becomes harder to know and be encouraged by every other member. Some you may not even get to meet. So, once in a while, we want to use this podcast to remedy that issue, if only just a little bit, by asking members of our church family 10 questions about their personal walk with Christ. Our prayer is that we can, in a sense, shrink the church just a little bit and use this medium to encourage one another from afar. Well, today we have a familiar voice in the hot seat, the incomparable, Andrew Longmire. Andrew, welcome. <laughs>
0: the incomparable, yes. The incomparable. <laughs> Glad to be here, as always, Just
1: I took 20 minutes this morning trying to think of that intro. Itself. Pick
0: the, ver- or the uh, adjective, yeah. yes. Did I find the right one?
1: <laughs> We'll see. We will see. That's right. Now, as can regularly be the case in church life, the pastoral staff are often the most quote-unquote known in the Mm -hmm. congregation in that they are the most seen and they have the most public view sometimes of the body of Christ, but that doesn't always mean that they're truly the most known, as you and I can attest to as well, right? And so we kind of want to remedy that this morning and take a little bit of time to get to know you a little bit better, Andrew, if that's sure. okay. And I'm going to use these 10 questions I've been asking other people in the congregation as well and just see where we go from here. Yeah, sounds great. Well, the first question is, what circles of influence does the Lord have you serving in? Obviously, you're serving on staff here at Oak Ridge Bible Chapel, but we all have multiple circles of influence that the mm-hmm. Lord providentially places us in. What are some of those for you?
0: Yeah, we'll I'll leave that one to last then. I'll, I'll start by saying I'm a, I'm a husband and a father. I've been uh, married to my wife, Natasha, for almost five years. It'll be five years this September. Uh, we have a little baby girl who is going to be turning one in less than a month, which is wild. As you said, we all have different roles, and I pray that I'm serving God well in all of them. But the ones that I guess outside of that I've really been praying that I steward my influence well would be I'm a I'm a son, I'm a brother, I'm a son-in-law, a brother-in-law, I'm an uncle, I'm a tenant, and I'm a friend. And then, as you said, I work here. I'm vocationally on staff at Oak Ridge as the associate pastor, which means I get to do a little bit of everything. I'm involved in our prayer ministry, our Sunday morning corporate worship gatherings. Sometimes I'm leading singing. Sometimes I'm preaching, teaching Bible studies or Sunday schools, praying for the people of our church, connecting with them. And then more recently this summer, mentoring and directing our summer students, which has just been an absolute blast and a godsend. Uh, so that's been enjoyable as well.
1: Before you mentioned the staff obligations in those circles of influence, you talked about several circles of influence that a lot of our listeners would have in common, right? A lot of those familial. And and sometimes we think of, you know, serving the Lord, and we think of missionaries and pastors and these formal areas of service. But really, the things you mentioned are pretty common. We all have those circles of influence, right?
0: Yeah, and I think I I almost scrapped them kind of off my Mm -hmm. list, but I thought I really do want to include those because the way the question is phrased, it's, Circles of influence that we are serving God, and and my hope is that I am serving God well in those circles of influences as a as a family member, as a friend, as uh, someone who pays someone else to live in their house as a tenant. You know, Hmm. all of these things that we do, we're connected to so many people in so many ways, and I hope that my witness and my love for the Lord is able to shine through in all of those circumstances and
1: relationships. What would you say has been the biggest challenge in your Christian journey to date?
0: Yeah, if we're looking for like one big thing, you know, you phrase it as ah, uh, or the greatest challenge. One, um, you have one. one. I get yes. one, yes. <laughs> I, th- I guess I would say there's a period in my childhood uh, where I was bullied a lot. I grew up in the church and was saved at a young age, but there was some years that got really, really dark there, uh, where I never really doubted God's existence, but I wasn't sure that I liked him very much, and I wasn't sure that I necessarily wanted to follow him. Mm. So I'd say that's probably the greatest challenge i'll sneak in here because i have the microphone and say you know perennially i struggle with complacency self-reliance people pleasing and shame uh as well which are also great struggles at times but
1: we'll edit those out because we said just one sure yeah, yeah that's right
0: uh no, wait am i not the one editing this also <laughs>
1: <laughs> so when we think about you know those struggles it sounds like you didn't doubt god's existence like mm-hmm. you said but maybe his goodness yeah and how that works out yeah in life what a Again, not only a perennial challenge for you, but a lot of people, we go through difficult times and we wonder, okay, I I don't doubt that he's there. I'm just doubting some of the things I've been taught about him.
0: And interestingly enough, the way I see it working out more so in my life now, years later, is the times when I feel furthest to God are actually not in times of struggle. I think I've even mentioned Mm -hmm. this on the podcast before. It's when things are going well and I turn instead to that self-reliance. But at that time, it was very much a... God, if you don't help me, why would I serve you? I I don't like this aspect of my life right now. And how good can you be if you can't help me right now?
1: I don't want to step on the toes of future questions, but what brought you out of that difficult time?
0: I think it was... I mean, it's a combination of things. It was the circumstance changing, for sure. Like, I don't want to use the cliche, like, it gets better or whatever. Like, it got better for me in my actual circumstance. But the big thing that made a difference with regards to my relationship with Christ was being in a place with i think it was like 2 to 3000 other teenagers all praising and worshiping the same god together i had this moment of like yes this god is good and i'm not the only one dealing with this or the things i've gone through and i'm not the only one worshiping this god either like this is the god i want to follow hmm. very much this feeling of not only in my life do i not feel alone anymore but in worship of God, I don't feel alone either.
1: Do you have a book of the Bible or a common passage of scripture you go to several times in your life? Maybe a favorite, we might even say?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, the book of Philippians is probably my favorite. Um, I spent a lot of time studying different parts of it when I was in seminary. I think anytime the professors would give us an assignment that was really open-ended, especially if it involved translation work, I ended up back in the book of Philippians. I feel like it's a perfect mix of content. It has you know, the importance of the gospel, what it looks like to, to follow Christ. It has that incredible passage in chapter 2 that's probably one of the most beautiful depictions of Christ in all of Scripture. Then it talks about our journey and our path, the the trials that can come along the way, and yet the goal that we're aiming at, and then reminds us at the end, you know, be joyful and content, rely on Christ's strength, it's really just that mix. I, th- I feel like it encapsulates so much of the ups and downs of life and that mm. journey. And then maybe a little cliche at this point to use this first, but First Timothy 4.12 was, I think, my baptism verse. Do not let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech and conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. I'm still, I still feel like the young guy here most times, and I think I probably always will in some ways but I think this verse is just that constant reminder of no matter what age and stage you're in, you can choose to be an example in all these ways to the believers, to those around you.
1: After the Bible, what two or three books have been particularly impactful for you, shaping and transformative?
0: Mm-hmm. I like what Shirley said on her interview about it's whatever I'm reading right now. <laughs> yeah, That was good. I, I know there's books over the years that have impacted me. At specific times in my life, and yet I feel like most of those were for that time specifically and might not have the same impact if I were to go back sure. to them. And so I, some of them I feel like I don't even remember. I was looking through my bookshelf and being like, oh, yeah, I know I read that book, but I don't remember even what it's about. So, but, I think, but I know it had impact at that time. Uh, so I think instead I'll go a little more recent and say there's two in particular that come to mind from recent years that have definitely been transformative, impactful, and I think it's because they're addressing issues... In my life that I'm still working through, these are two books that I've probably recommended the most over the last couple of years. And I think actually, to give you your daily pat on the back here, mm-hmm. I think you recommended both of these books to me.
1: You know, I need that my yeah. fragility. Entry. Yeah,
0: so it's it's super important here that we <laughs> that we build you up. <laughs> uh, the first is A Vision for Preaching by Abraham Karravilla, who you've worked with a lot in your your studies over the years. Um, but I'm always trying to learn and grow as a preacher, and that book really challenged how I look at preaching from the ground up. And you and I have been talking about that a lot recently and working on what it looks like to prepare to preach and to preach. Um, and that book was a really, really that kind of starting point in that process for me. Uh, the other one related in some ways uh, is called Liberating Ministry from the Success Syndrome by Kenton and Barbara Hughes. Again, looking at why we do what we do. And this would be a great book, not even just for those in vocational paid ministry, any who serve in a church in any capacity, realizing what is the point of what we're doing and realizing that faithfulness to God comes before all else. As we talked about on the podcast, actually, last week, I kept thinking about this book. Mm -hmm. And it's one that I'll definitely pick up again, time and time again, because it is such an important reminder of why we do what we do in all aspects of As you said in the beginning, like ministry, our lives, our influence, the circles that we're in, uh, what's the point?
1: I was going to ask if you think it would be helpful for someone who's serving as a mother, as a son, as all of those roles that you mentioned at the beginning would still be helpful because those are ministry roles.
0: Yeah, I mean, I typically I'm thinking the people I've recommended it to, and it's been people who are serving in the church in some capacity. Uh, But I don't see why it wouldn't have at least something to offer for anyone who considers themselves a Christian in any role, because it's so easy to get focused on what we're doing, what we're contributing. Again, not to take away from later answers, but it's so easy to get our priorities mixed up and to get our focus out of place. And I think it's good to have that grounding reminder of what it's really all about.
1: I love the title of that book too, Liberating Us, because that's really what it is, right? When we start focusing on the right things rather than success as the world defines it, it is kind of liberating, isn't it?
0: Yeah, and that's when you talk about the idea of something that's transformative and impactful, that was a moment of liberation for me is reading that book and and feeling that freedom of wow, I've been putting burdens on my back that God has not put there. I have put these here myself and I don't need to carry these.
1: I kind of see some similarities, some common ground between that book and Philippians you talked about. There's some oh, real- it's, it's interesting, yeah. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I see a theme here. <laughs> well, at this point in your life, what's one of the biggest lessons you think God has taught you?
0: Yeah, I don't know how people have been reducing this down to one, but I will. I will hold won. I will <laughs> hold to one on this one, I promise. And it comes right out of what I just said. It's not about me, it's about him. I think that applies in in every aspect of my life, in my ministry. My ministry is not about me. It's about God, my my family. As much as I want to make that about me, it's not. It's about God. And in the tough times, in the good times, and in worship, worship is not about me at all. It's about God. And in my fears, in my trials, in everything, I need to just come back to that focus of, Andrew, this isn't about you. There's so much more at play than you can possibly understand. And worship God through it all
1: how have you made that shift like we're obviously involved for example in worship i'm obviously involved i'm there i'm participating absolutely how do i make that shift between the experience of worship which is not in itself bad but then making it theocentric rather than human-centered how do i do that
0: oh, that's it i mean if you figure it out let me know okay i think and that's maybe a bit where i cheated here you know the biggest lesson that god has taught me this is something God is continually teaching sure, me. I'll, I'll, I'll emphasize that. But I think it's the one that's come up most in my life. Looking back to those scared times as a child with no friends, you know, I wanted to make it about me, but it it ultimately wasn't. It wasn't an indication of God's goodness, of how many friends I have or how lonely I feel. It has nothing to do with God's goodness. And I think it's just constantly reminding yourself what it's all about, what you're here to do, what the purpose is, and really how little... Uh, how to phrase this the right way, we want to have an impact in this life and yet to realize how small this life is in the span of eternity. I think always having that eternal heaven-minded perspective, reminding ourselves that God is sovereign over everything, reminding ourselves of other people who have come before us and will come after us whose situations are far worse than our own at times or better perhaps even as well and realizing that God is God through all of those as well.
1: What's one thing you wish other believers would know, believe, or embrace?
0: Yeah, this was the one I think I struggled with the most. I took the most time on it thinking about it because I want to avoid a hobby horse here. But I think one that has been coming up a lot for me recently because it's been a challenge in my own life is really the idea of embrace a humble hunger to learn. Embrace a, a humble hunger to learn. One of the things that's so great about The church, and I don't just mean Oak Ridge, but I'll talk about Oak Ridge here and say one of the things that's great about our church is that we're united by the Spirit as a family of God, and yet beyond that, many of us here do not actually have a lot in common. We have so many differences in our church of age from less than a year to almost a hundred. We have so many different backgrounds and cultures and professionals and experiences and spiritual journey lengths and maturity levels and family situations. I could go on and on. There's so many differences within our church. And I wish, to phrase it back into your question, I wish people would embrace the humility to ask, what can I learn from this person? And I don't mean that in the sort of like everyone's opinion is equally valid, truth is relative sort of mentality. But what I mean is, simply in the sense that I don't know everything and there is so much out there to learn. And we need to stop assuming as a society that we've got it all figured out and instead assume that everyone has something that they can teach us. Everyone has something that God has taught them that maybe that he hasn't taught me yet that I can learn from what God, that's why we're doing this type of podcast, right? Looking at everyone, all these different people within our church and saying what has god taught you because maybe god hasn't taught me that yet and i need to learn from you. So i think it's just having this humility to say like yes, i might be more experienced in x, mm-hmm. but you might be way more experienced in y. You know, some of the the quotes or things that i remember, one of the wisest things i remember someone ever saying to me, they'd been a christian for like 2 or 3 years and i've been a christian for like 20 and i it still sticks with me and it just reminds me that Again, it's not about me. It's about him. God is going to work how he wants to work in his people at different ways and different times. And if I think that I've got it all figured out and I can't learn from those other people, I'm sorely misunderstanding God's power and just missing an opportunity.
1: Even in the short number of episodes we've done like this, you think of Gordon Rumford and Carol Clooney and Shirley Buchanan Mm -hmm. and yourself. Very different backgrounds. Absolutely. (laughs) Very different all those things that you mentioned, and yet there are those beautiful common threads that are actually, when we understand them rightly, far more significant, far more powerful than anything that divides us. And certainly we can learn from one another. like you said, the different experience of what the Lord is teaching them, has taught them. Uh, I mean, it's almost like we're a body. Mm-hmm. We can actually function together and learn from one another. There's
0: a reason Paul uses that illustration, right? and, and I think we need to keep going back to it. We have... Different functionalities. We have different purposes. We're going to be used. Some parts of our body do not get used very often, but they're vitally important. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to to remember that. And good at different things.
1: What's the greatest disappointment you've been forced to endure?
0: Yeah, disappointment is such an interesting word. I feel like I want to attach it to like an experience of pain or suffering.
1: You're really just doing whatever you want with these questions, aren't you?
0: No, I'm coming back to it. <laughs> okay, I, I, I'm coming back to it because... I I think I started thinking about this in a different direction and then I realized, no, 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 the question is disappointment, which to me is this idea of being let down by something. Yeah. And I think most of the suffering, most of the suffering in my life hasn't really been a letdown. It's just been pain that I've had to endure. But disappointment wise, I think my greatest disappointment is in a handful of people over the years who have turned their back on me when they realized that I wasn't like the cool guy or that they thought that being close to me would somehow tarnish their reputation or their image.
1: So again, almost the exact opposite of your last answer. So we can learn from one another. We actually need one another. And when that hasn't happened and people have turned away from you, it's been the most disappointing.
0: Yeah, and I think that's part of what influenced kind of all these answers is that idea that I want to be learning from other people and I want people to be able to learn from me because I want God to be able to use me in that way. I want to share what God has taught me over the years. And when people think that someone else has nothing to offer, that can be really damaging to that person because they know that you feel that way. Mm -hmm. It's very clear to that person.
1: So you think about, and we've talked a lot about life in the body and how it can be messy Mm -hmm. and there can be disappointments and pain. What would you say to someone who's teetering on the brink of even trying? Like, why would I bother? If I'm going to risk all that being hurt, not being known, being disappointed, what's to gain from investing in body life of a church? Why would I bother? I might get hurt. I'd start, why would you
0: bother? Because again, it's not about you. It's about Christ. I'd start with that and say, we've never been promised that the body is perfect. No one's body is perfect. Jim reminded us of that when we were talking about Laodicea this past uh, this past week at church. No one's perfect. No body, no church is perfect. Why do it? Because God commanded us to, mm. because God is offering it, it to us. The church is something that Christ loves. And he wants us to love it as well with all its wrinkles and blemishes. And we trust that one day he'll erase all of those wrinkles and blemishes and and make it new. Get involved because we can learn through the hurt. We can learn through the pain. And I believe there will come a time when you will find benefit in it. There is For all the frustrations that can come with church body life, for all the difficulty and the clashing of personalities, There is so much to be gained by having brothers and sisters who might be polar opposites to you, but you know that they're praying for you, or you know that they want to hear from you, or they're checking in with you. They're carrying your burdens, they're uh, walking shoulder to shoulder in the trenches. Uh, There's just so much, I could go on for hours talking about the church, but there's so much to be gained from it.
1: Lord willing, this coming Sunday, we're looking at Psalm 133, which opens by saying, Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity. Hmm. And as we describe, and we know that there can be pain because we are sinful people living in a sinful world and we hurt one another, the declaration of Scripture is pretty clear. It is good and pleasant. And it seems like it's a declaration as well as a promise, something to be celebrated but also something to be chased after and protected yeah it's both and and to to live in that tension of this is real because of who we're united in and what we have to look forward to but also at the same time something to work toward in spite of our imperfection
0: yeah i think about it going let's go back to the body illustration right if you have a part of your body that gets injured or isn't working quite right it's a pretty drastic step to remove that part usually there's prior steps of trying to fix the situation i've broken a lot of bones in my life i've had a lot of injuries concussions etc when i break a toe i don't go and cut the toe off because it didn't do its job right and it broke no I, i put it in a splint and hope that it repairs itself and i still have a wonky toe if you ever see me without shoes on i have a wonky toe that never healed quite right but it's still a part of me and i'm still better off than if i had cut that toe off completely because why why just remove the opportunity of something possibly getting better. If you cut something out of your life, if you cut out the church or you cut out gathering or the body life, there's no chance of it ever getting better. But if you put some work into trying to repair it and you trust in God as the ultimate healer and physician, there is that chance that it can get better. And it won't always be perfect. And it might never be perfect, but it can get better.
1: On the flip side of that last question, what would you say is the greatest encouragement the Lord has blessed you with?
0: Yeah, and it's, it's the flip to the response. Okay. I am with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. God is the one who I know knows all of me and yet still chooses me, mm. knows every aspect about me and still loves me. I'm not too much for him. I'm not too much that he feels the need to walk away because I'm tarnishing his reputation, although I do at times do that, uh, but he still accepts me.
1: Do you ever feel that that's not true? And when you do... How do you deal with that? Like, I know that he said he's with me, but let's face it. Some days I just don't feel his presence. What do I do in those situations?
0: Yeah. I mean, you just remind yourself of the truth. We we focus a lot on feelings because it's easy to notice them. Um, And yeah, you're right, it can feel like God's not by us. And so the only option, I think, is to remind ourselves of truth and say that truth is not affected by feelings. Truth is truth, and the truth is that God is with me. Whether I feel him, whether I see him, the fact that I cannot see, it's a classic illustration, but I cannot see the source of wind does not mean that wind doesn't exist. The fact that some days are not windy and are very still does not mean that wind does not exist anymore. It just means we don't currently see or feel the effect of it. Um, and I think that's what we just have to remind ourselves of that truth over and over.
1: If you could write a letter to your 18 year old self, what would you say?
0: I think it would just say don't don't always take the easy way. Don't yeah. always look for the easiest path. 18 year old Andrew liked to try and find the like, you know, the classic like work smarter, not harder. I think that's true in many ways. You, you want to work smart, and I still think that's good. But sometimes I think I was so smart that I was dumb in that I tried to find the easy ways to get through things at the, the cost of not maybe learning from them or experiencing something to the fullest because uh, I tried to find the easy way instead.
1: That's a good word. One that's very relatable for many people, I'm sure. If a movie was to be made about your life, what would the title and tagline be?
0: Yeah, title I think will say press on towards the goal, go back to Philippians, uh, with the tagline being, can someone remind him to rely on God's strength? (laughs) (laughs) Which the irony being is that, you know, I talk about struggling with wanting to find the easy way. Well, in many ways, I make my life harder now by trying to do it on my own strength, Mm. in my own abilities. And God is right there just saying, Andrew, come on, my burden's light, (laughs) Mm. take it. Like, I want to take yours. Stop trying to do this on your own. It's not about you. I want to do this for you. And yet I make it harder for myself. And so if you see me, remind me, do it in God's strength, not your own.
1: That's an invitation. Well, thanks for the time today, Andrew. Thanks for your ministry to us, your Mm -hmm. friendship and your vulnerability as always. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you are encouraged and learned something new. Visit oakridgebiblechapel.org to listen to sermons and for more information.